0: Hello and welcome to Tomlin's Harmonica Podcast, where I'll be hanging out with players and teachers and having conversations loosely based around harmonica. This week's guest isn't a harmonica player or teacher, but he is a fantastic musician who I have the pleasure of working with on a regular basis, and uh, I thought it would be really interesting to uh, chat about something a little bit more general rather than specifically harmonica, and that is the topic of practice and how to practice, why you need to practice, uh, how to get better at your instrument. Uh, so this week's guest is my good friend Vid uh who is a drummer, pianist, guitarist, bassist, composer. He's just an all-round amazing musician. Uh, a, a great pleasure to to have as a friend, and uh, has some some really good insights about about music in general. Welcome to the show. Ah, oh,
1: thanks, Tomlin. I yeah, I I, I don't think I'm half those things that you said, but I really appreciate that. Thank you so much for having me.
0: It's absolutely my pleasure. So um, just for a little bit of context before we dive into chatting about music, uh, we are recording on the 8th of July. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the first time that we've actually been allowed in the same
1: room together. Oh my goodness, yeah, that's right, actually. I mean, yeah, we even hugged when we saw each other
0: yeah i'm I'm not sure we were supposed to do that
1: oh no, okay, oh well <laughs> I guess I'm going back into lockdown
0: <laughs> I, I think I think it's okay according to to what we've been told by the government I think that that we're okay hugging uh,
1: yeah <laughs> so socially distanced It's like just exposing like ourselves and like to possible repercussions that could lead to all this, but anyway, yeah it, it's actually quite nice to be in the same room and to Work not on through a Zoom slash Skype meeting. That it's actually quite nice to be in the same room as you.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's very cool. So I know that that you've been working on a lot of different musical things during lockdown. Uh, I feel like you're a little bit like me. It was kind of an opportunity. Uh, what have you been What have you been working
1: on? Ah, uh, I think um, the nice thing about um, us being in lockdown, I think, well, obviously uh, let us address the wonderful adverse effects that lockdown brought to us was the fact that our, our gigs just vanished. And, you know, lots of people can take that and be like, well, this is the end now and let's give up music and throw in the towel. But I thought that, well, this is the one time where I know that if there aren't any gigs happening, what can I do musically to help myself become a better musician? And practice is a really good thing um and not just practicing with my instrument i love playing the drums i love practicing the drums but i'm i got to work on my composition my production skills i got to like level up my skill set if you, if you want to call that and um yeah i've been working on some wonderful arranging for uh, the bands that i um that i run and then i do md work for and uh got to do a lot of arranging in the process i've really been trying to hone in on my horn writing cap- capabilities and yeah just just having a really good time with that and but obviously just like just trying to find at least a few hours in the day to sit down with a pair of sticks and be like i need to practice. This. <laughs> i just need to get my hands back to where they were mm-hmm. so no nah, it feels good it, it feels good i think i've i think i've found some good time in all this
0: yeah so I, let, let's just give it give a little bit of context mm. um how
1: long have you been playing drums? Oh, I've been playing drums now for about 14, 15 years. Um, I was quite I was quite late into drumming. Um, my my first instrument was piano, and I started playing at the age of four. So uh, I've been playing music, I think, um, for about, I don't know, like 20, 22 years now. Mm-hmm. Just like... And... Um, yeah and uh, the drums I've I took up when I was about 14 15 and I t- I took them on quite seriously so that's how long I've been playing for yeah So you've been playing all that
0: time and yet you still need to maintain your skills with sticks you still need to
1: sit and practice with a drum pad Oh yeah Yeah that's that's the that's the that, that's the tricky bit with uh, with music or, or or any kind of skill it doesn't matter how long you've been doing it for everyone always says oh it's like it's like riding a bike but if you just stop riding a bike and then you jump back on you always uh, you always realize when you first you know like uh, I like those first couple hundred yards of riding your bike you're just a little bit shaky you're not always like 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 you don't want to go just as fast as you used to it's you like you want to be cautious so it doesn't matter how long you've been playing you could be playing music for 50 60 years professionally if you don't practice it will get away from you
0: yeah absolutely and and also i think one of the the biggest misconceptions about skills in general is um amount of time spent doing something equates to getting better so you you hear people who are like oh i've i've been driving for 40 years i'm i'm a i'm a great driver and then you get in a car <laughs> car with them and it's absolutely terrifying <laughs> and and you realize that they learned how to drive mm. So they worked hard at learning how to drive and then they did the same thing for 40 years. So they got more experience, but they didn't (laughs) actually think, how are my skills improving? How can I improve my skills? And and I think that the the same is true of, of musical instruments um i'm sure you have a lot of students like this but you have these people who kind of come in and you know you're you're a young guy but i'm sure you've had students that are older than you who've been playing longer than you've been alive Mm. and and you ask yourself how how have you been playing longer than i've been alive but but you've not kind of got to a level of amazing
1: musicianship yeah i think um what you're definitely touching on is uh I think there's a concept of learning bad habits and and like living in that bubble of replaying your bad habits mm-hmm. over and over and over again. Where, like, I've seen guys with like you know shocking technique, and they've been playing with that shocking technique for years and years and years. But like that is that that has contributed to like yes to their sound and their feel, which has you know a very uh, unique um, kind of. Um, aspect to their playing but when they say oh I want to get better I want to sound like this or I want to sound like that I'm like yeah that's because your technique is getting in the way of what you want to sound like and because you haven't sat down and effectively practiced and I think that for me was something um, that I had to learn very quickly sitting behind my drum set and playing to my favorite tunes and just grooving along or like like shredding fills and chops that I've always had is not practice that is doing the same thing i've always been doing over and over and over again it's like watching the same film over and over again it's like yeah it's like hey vid knows so much about that one film it's like but that, but then i'm not i'm not considered a film guy I'm, I'm considered a guy that just knows a lot about that one film mm-hmm. i think that's what people get stuck into i mean and you know it's like skills like music and you could talk about any craft really whether you're whether you're into woodwork or um, whether you're into um, writing or uh, designing, if you if you see it as well, I just need to like uh, like like check off the box. That like that doesn't mean you've learned that skill. Mm-hmm. It just means that you've achieved it once, but now do it again, mm-hmm. just as good, over and over and over again. And that's where we kind of run into, you know, guys giving up because it's like, oh, I don't see any progress. That progress comes years down the line. It's not It's not a thing that happens immediately.
0: Yeah, I think, well, we'll, we'll definitely talk about progress coming later mm. uh, in, in a little, little bit, but I, I wanna come back to something that, that you said about um, people who've been playing with not necessarily great technique for a, a, a length of time. And that sometimes translates to having a unique sound and and how do you address that that issue when someone does want to improve but they're afraid of letting go of of what they perceive to make make them a, a, a unique player
1: mm. oh i think you have to, like so when i when i address my students or or, or when i address people who like want to get better and they and, and and let's say we run into this case study of that person that wants to Change, but they but they've been but they've ingrained this way of playing into their uh, system for so long. Um, it's you have to kind of bring it, like, or at least bring the point across to them that it's going to feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. You are going to have to be okay with being uncomfortable for a very long time because it took you a while to learn that thing that that habit that you've created, but it's going to take a lot of time to unlearn it. And when I say unlearn it, as in like, you know, you want to gain good technique. People always see it as like, oh, I don't want to unlearn my habits. No, you always have your habits. They are there, but you're stuck there. Mm-hmm. It's about being versatile. It's about being uh, free to do whatever you want on your instrument. Again, if you want that, mm-hmm. people want to play that same groove, that same blues track over and over. You, you can't stop them, but it's, but it's the guys that want to change. They need to feel Okay with being uncomfortable. I remember my first lesson when I went into university. I had been holding my sticks wrong until I got into my first year of university, and I never knew that. Um, The guy who first taught me how to play drums, he uh, he had come from more of a classical background, and he had timpani training. And he had taught me like a bit of a timpani-esque style drumstick grip, which caused me to be a very tentative drummer when I started playing. And I didn't have any power behind my strokes. And um, I remember my my lecture on the first day was like, okay, I'm going to show you how to hold the sticks. And this is going to suck for a very long time. You're going to feel like you cannot play the drums for a few months. And then you'll, it, it's like learning how to walk again. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, imagine someone someone teaches a young kid how to walk w- with a cane his entire life. Mm-hmm. And now he's 22. And it's like, okay, I'm taking the cane away from you. And I, and I go to walk. They'd fall over. Mm-hmm. You know, it's about relearning, you know, this new motor skill that you've never had before. I think that being okay to be uncomfortable is my, is my main, um, point. I think I want to stress there.
0: Yeah. I think, yeah, I think that the, the discomfort in practice is, is really, really huge. And, and one thing that I think is really important to remind people of is that having great technique, it, it doesn't limit you. It does exactly the opposite. it, opens up so much more freedom in your playing i think a lot of people are worried that if they if they learn very kind of mechanically perfect movements that's going to make them like a kind of musical robot mm. and yeah it's 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 not true okay. it it means that you have all the skills so that you can then let go you, you don't have to think about your technique while you're playing
1: yeah and I, yeah i think that's <laughs> there's always like, I always see these like two or three guys that, um, whether it's at a gig or whether it's at, um, like a clinic I've led, you know, and guys are always telling me, it's like, yeah, like, I, I don't want to learn what these guys are learning. I don't want to be, you know, like, um, there's, uh, uh like guys talk about it on YouTube and on so many music podcasts. It's this like Berkeley style, you know, jazz funk guy that comes out like he's just like another berkeley clone mm-hmm. and they all sound like these you know the, these very similar jazz funk guys and i mean like you you know like um everyone wants to sound like snarky puppy everyone wants everyone wants to sound like wolf everybody wants to sound like you know um the same um kind of sound but they and like and people think that well if i learn this i'm going to sound like a clone it's like no these concepts were designed by teachers not because they want to make you clones they have designed these concepts and perfected these concepts to give you ergonomic freedom what i mean ergonomic least effort in for maximum output mm-hmm. you know so like why do i have to use my wrist in a certain way it's like well it's because that you don't have to work so hard when you play so you can play longer and therefore like not get f- fatigued you know it's like you don't want like a layer of fatigue inhibiting your playing and your creativity that's why that system is there so people are always skeptical of you know like you know oh if i go to school it institutionalizes my playing and i become a robot no it, it it's there to help you you know it's like imagine you've never learned a language before and now you have these tools to learn the language to, like all the vocabulary and the grammar and the and and the uh, nuance of turning it into something completely beautiful because yeah, like that's, that's what essentially we're working with. We're working uh, with a language. If you only know how to speak three or four words, that's the only thing you can say. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And uh, that, that thing of, of um, kind of lightness and not overexerting yourself that that's typical across all instruments. Mm. if, If you can be relaxed and not have this layer of tension in your playing, then you're completely free to, to do whatever you want on that instrument. Yeah. Um, and that, I mean, that's something I, I, I probably say that more than anything else to my students, is kind of relax, play less hard, yeah. you know? Let your shoulders drop. This is the thing that, that's, that's kind of interesting is, you know, you, you'll be, have a harmonica student and I'll say, okay, so I want you to uh, relax your knees and let your shoulders drop mm. and there's all this system before we even get to the mouth that's yeah. touching the harmonica yeah. <laughs> and and you you've got to remember that there's this foundation that your body is built on you know right from the, the floor up and if that's all in alignment then your body is free to move in its most effective way mm. possible and that must be even more important on an instrument like drums where every limb is doing something
1: oh, yeah. at the same time it's extremely mechanical but you're right, like. Going back to basics with, like, just don't hurt yourself with your posture. <laughs> I think I think that's something that people, like, keep, you know, uh, keep forgetting about. Posture is, like, so important. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like, uh, there's a reason why my mom would, like, you know, uh, shout at me. Because, um, like, I'm, I'm a very tall guy. And she always like shouted me like v come on uh, chest out bum in straighten your back and there's a reason why because i started getting back problems later on because i would slouch and i wouldn't you know like sit properly and if you do that whilst playing if you're gonna spend hours practicing with like wrong posture and like wrong like bodily uh, mechanical um let's call it like Stances. It's like it's like you're going to drive yourself into like into something that's going to hurt, and eventually, mm-hmm. again, inhibit your playing, and therefore inhibit your creativity. Yeah. yeah.
0: And and that's something you have to be really careful of in the professional music world, because there there is I've I, I've read completely insane stats about how many musicians have played through pain. Oh yeah. And and it, and it's kind of you know ninety percent of musicians have played through pain, and there's this fear of mm-hmm. If you admit to being in pain, then you just don't get hired again. So yeah. you have to kind of keep pushing through, oh, and and you shouldn't be playing in pain ever. Mm. Um, I I don't believe there's any instrument where that is a, a positive
1: aspect of, of playing. Oh, never! I think, yeah. When you get into, uh, when you get onto a stage and you start to perform, that needs to be, it needs to be effortless. Mm-hmm. It needs to be you know you being free with your instrument. The last thing you need now is like pain or something like getting in the way of your playing something as simple as like you know fixing your posture from when you start you know playing and performing that's something that is yeah even though like (laughs) i could like point out to guys like you know it if anybody knows any like old school big band drumming, like uh, Buddy Rich is quite funny because like I think he has like the worst po- the worst posture imaginable. Like he's hunched over, like he's about to like have a stroke, but he's so good. So like I mean, uh, I don't know. It's I was like, you know, again he 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 probably never come from a very like well uh, designed school of well, Like this is what this is what like the modern drumming. Um, what the modern drummer looks like and um, should do, and you know, it's like they were they were they were they were coming up with this as they were going, you know, and they had knowledge to impart from from their mistakes. So when you have these old videos and these old texts of these like really cool cats, like t- talk about, you know, hey, maybe f- work on your posture. Maybe maybe listen to that and be like, mm-hmm. well, there's a reason why they're saying that. They've probably played through that pain that you that you were speaking of earlier, and maybe we should like heed their warnings. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I want to ask you a question. Um, mm-hmm. How many times have you have you had a harmonica student um, say say to you, or let's say they've had they've had a few lessons, and they're like, "I've just got some money. I want to." Sp- I, I want to buy a really nice, a really nice harmonica because I think that'll improve my playing, or that, or or I'll get a better tone out of that. Because you and I are both, you know, we like our gear. We like talking about acquiring gear, but we also know, you know, very well that buying gear doesn't improve your playing, even though we like to think that mm-hmm. it doesn't improve your playing. I don't know. Have you ever had uh, something like that before? <laughs> Have I ever had something like that? I, I would say that. If I had a
0: dollar for every time I've had that question from a student, I would have the most enviable gear collection <laughs> of all time because and and we've all fallen into that trap mm. uh, and and I still do you know I, I've just spent the last week completely redesigning my pedal board mm. uh, and i've I've spent an uncomfortable amount of money on it <laughs> uh, and and it's going to make me an amazing musician, yeah. Obviously, Obviously. I, know, <laughs> I know that that's not true rationally, um, but I think, yeah, come, coming back to this idea of will gear make you great? The quick answer is no, mm. but uh, I'll add some caveats to that. Mm. I, I think this idea of suffering unnecessarily as a beginner is, is not healthy and and it's not going to lead to a very good relationship with your instrument Mm. so i do i do very strongly believe in having a a, a good quality starter instrument Mm. i don't think that a beginner should go out and get a professional grade instrument whatever they're playing Mm. it's not good for them for so many reasons so i mean one of the and I know people are going to disagree with me on this from the the kind of custom harmonica point of view, but um, if you go and buy a custom harmonica, it's going to be the same as as kind of the classic Hona Marine Band. Um, You know, everyone has, has had a Hona Marine Band at some point, but a customizer will come along and make it so airtight that you can play it with the absolute minimum amount of breath force, mm. which means that you can get so much nuance out of it. You, you can get this whole range of, of dynamic yeah. uh, effects from the instrument. And in the hands of a, of a pro, it, it becomes incredibly musical. Mm. Now, there's a very strong argument that some people make, which is that if you hand a harmonica like that to a beginner, they're going to learn how to breathe properly because they're going to learn to to play gently for that harmonica. Yeah. For me, I think the reality is that they're just going to break that very expensive harmonica because they're going to play too hard yeah. and, and it's 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 gonna break. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think it it's it's good to have a good quality instrument, but but not a a custom or professional grade. Because generally professional grade instruments and it's the same with guitar they highlight the flaws in your technique yes so if your technique is good yes they they highlight how good it is so it gives you that extra five ten percent of stardust Mm. but if your technique isn't good it it makes you sound terrible whereas a, a slightly more beginner instrument yes is is going to be
1: very accommodating yes i oh that that is such a yeah it's like that um (laughs) it really is it's like it's like when the when the line curve graph kind of like goes towards like perfection it never gets there it's always an extra two to five percent better Mm -hmm. but on the opposite axis you know you've got this level of risk that keeps increasing if you don't have that technique if you don't have the basics like it's like it's like Imagine somebody who's just learned how to play chopsticks on the piano, mm-hmm. and now uh, let's buy a Steinway, <laughs> you know, and then they play chopsticks on a Steinway, and it's like, ooh, okay, ooh, okay that's that's it. Just it, it, like, like that's granted, that's a very silly example, but like, it immediately highlights like the like the Steinway is not meant for chopsticks; it's mm-hmm. meant for something completely different. Yeah, and I think that's what you know when. I, I always hear like oh i should maybe spend a bit more money on this or that it's like maybe work on your left hand technique first before you buy you know a snare drum that you claim is gonna make you sound like this and oh man do manufacturers love s- like selling selling their products to you and you're like oh yeah if, if you know if this company or that company says i'll get better then i need to buy that i think a lot of you'll fall into that trap and yeah i think it's very important um to go back to the idea of if you can practice you know on your basic or good quality basic instrument it's like that will only make that professional grade gear sound so much better. Mm-hmm. I think that's something that I I strongly believe in. And I think the, the the thing to to remind yourself of is
0: that the the great musicians out there if if you put them on your beginner level instrument they're still going to sound great. Yes. And, oh man, yeah. And if they don't, <laughs> then that that tells you more about how good they are as a musician. Yes. And it's there's there's this kind of strange kind of ratio of the higher quality in, uh, instrument equipment that you you get the the more diminishing the returns are of mm-hmm. improvement. Mm. And when you are that incredibly high level musician and you and you're striving for that percent better, yeah. 2% better, then it it's a huge deal to you. Yes. But but there's there's you know eighty percent of it is your technique. Yes. If not more. Yes. So if, if you're if you've got that technique nailed, then whatever you go through is going to sound great, and then you can start chasing the little improvements.
1: Oh, <laughs> I think that's the, that, and you know, like go, like you know, like talking about technique, you know, it's like technique is a very that that takes time. That takes so much time, and it's also something that you, that you will do forever. Mm-hmm. That you will do forever. But it is the thing that, like you know, like like the basic scales, the basic um, uh, techniques, especially in harmonica, with your breath control and 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 tone and your support. That there will define you as someone who is a good versus a bad harmonica player. Um, but you know, as far as like talking about effective practice i think that's something that i i strongly believe in um practice as as a concept um effective practice practice as a skill Mm -hmm. this is something we've uh, we've spoken about in our spare time over many coffees and Mm -hmm. talking about like this idea of practice you know again This is mainly for those people who are stuck in that loop and they want to break out and they don't see why they aren't getting better. You know, practicing is great, but it's also a skill that you need to understand. Even though your instrument is learning, like like your instrument is a skill, yes, but it's the art of practice that is a skill within itself that can be applied to everything. Mm -hmm. Learning how to cook a new meal, learning, learning how to speak a new language. It's like if you can learn how to practice properly that will add on to your effective practice. Because I always believe there are like two types of practice. It's the practice that makes you feel good mm-hmm. and the practice that makes you feel like completely miserable. Mm-hmm. When I come out of a studio and I feel great, like, yeah, I've had a good jam. I feel, mm, I feel like I'm, I'm grooving hard. I know that I haven't practiced at all. Mm-hmm. I know that like, I just sounded great because I, I replayed all my best. I, I, like, I highlighted all of my highlights, mm-hmm. you know? I didn't highlight any of my lowlights, and we all know we're trying to avoid that because it doesn't make us feel good. Yeah, I want to play my instrument to feel good. Yes, but then I never get better if I keep doing that. But you, you, you hit on
0: it with with that word that you use, that verb. Mm. What what is the verb for 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 doing instrument? It's it's play,
1: mm. yeah.
0: and I I I would. I agree with you that there are two different kinds of practice, but I don't call one of them
1: practice. Yes. I call one of them play. That's a better way of, I think that's a way better way of uh, putting it, yeah.
0: And, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Mm. You know, I, I, I think that the, the play is important. Yes. And I, I have a handful of students, I don't have as many students uh, as, as the other kind of students, but I have a handful of students who do practice to the detriment of all else and um, okay. they have no pleasure or joy ever from the instrument which is really sad because there should be joy and pleasure and you should have time to play it but mm. you should make the conscious decision to do one or the other at a certain time
1: yes i think when yeah so if i go in saying i'm going i'm going to practice and then i just play mm. i need to understand that i have played and yeah. not practiced and and you're right play is important I mean I play a lot in the realm of jazz and jazz is all about play mm-hmm. people think it's very serious and it's very it's very like broody and cool and it's but no it's just people with their instruments playing with their vocabulary in real time Yeah, you know jazz solos are just results of play and you know testing things out and you know having a good time practice is you know Breaking it down clinically and like, well, I need to, you know, I need to work on something that's been bothering me. And nine times out of ten, if, if anything, ten times out of ten, you are not going to feel good after a practice session. No. You're going to feel like, oh, man, I've got so many problems with my playing. But that's good. That means that you have, you have understood where the faults are and now you can work on them. Mm-hmm. It's the people who don't hear the faults or don't see the faults. That's when you get stuck in that loop. Yeah. recognizing that you have a problem this sounds like uh, the sounds like we're, uh, we're battling an addiction recognizing that you have a problem yeah. <laughs> is the is the first sign of getting better but it's true actually yeah. it really is it really is
0: and I think that that's that's a really important element you know you, you spoke about learning how to practice as being you know a skill in itself a- another thing is learning how to listen to yourself yes that and, and listen critically so you know I I provide feedback on, on my students playing um, and I know that they improve faster if I'm providing feedback because they know what's wrong with their playing but what I really want them to achieve is the ability to, to be self-directed so they can listen to a recording of themselves playing and think okay so that three draw whole step bend is a little bit flat I, I'm now going to go and work on getting the pitch right on that Yeah. and a, as, a, as a musician who is practicing their playing, I think you need to become adept at create, at customizing your own exercises. Yes. You know, I can't, I can't hand you all the perfect exercises to make you better.
1: Yeah. We're all
0: different. I can, I can give you the good beginner stuff to get going, Mm. but then, you know, every time I I start practicing, I'm working on very specific things that are wrong in my playing.
1: (laughs) Yes. I agree with you. Um, Yeah. I think that is something that you only really find later on, where you can start tailoring your practice to your because get, because at, at the end of the day, you are your own musician and you get to practice what you want to. Mm. You said there are good, there's good uh, beginner stuff out there that you can definitely recommend. But after a while, someone's going to be like, "Well, I like this type of music more, and that requires this kind of a skill more." So I want to check that out, and that's great. That's when all of a sudden the practice becomes focused, not because a teacher has told you what to do, it's because you've gone and checked it out yourself Mm -hmm. that's your ear getting better and being like i want that yeah let me try and get some of that and that's really cool that's that makes me very happy when i see a student do that Mm -hmm. when they take their own initiative um i have another thing that i wanted to address with you and this is this is quite interesting because you do have an influence in the harmonica world and um my thing is whenever i see a youtube video or i see um like a learning dvd on an instrument th- it doesn't matter which one you know um, let's say you know we uh, we buy someone a dvd that says "Here's here, here's this dvd on playing piano mm-hmm. like the greats check it out and you know and now this person has this dvd or, or this material and it's going to start looking into it that for me is really interesting because that's the point where things can go really wrong or re- or really well um, People always have different interpretations of material, and because you produce a lot of material you, yourself, what is your advice to people when they listen to you? Because again, it's like as much as I'd love to say, "Oh, you know, um, I know everything, so you should, you should, you should listen to me and you'll sound great." No, that's mm-hmm. that's that that's not that. You know, l- lots of teachers have great advice, but it but l- lots of teachers also need to like. Like it's a thing we don't want to produce clones of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so when someone looks at new uh, at new material, what's the advice that you give to someone to look at it with an open mind? Because I like to think like you know, yes, take what you like out of it, but also understand that there are fundamentals being taught. But also be aware that's not gospel. That's not the word of you know the thing you're trying to learn.
0: Yeah, that's a great question, and and it and it is it's part of the difficulty of. The, the very specific thing that I do, which is teaching online. Mm. And I think the, the first element that anyone listening to this who is going onto YouTube to to check out uh, any kind of lesson is that a big element of what is being put out there, myself included, mm. is not just education, it's edutainment. Yes. You know, we're, we're looking great for... Word. That's a horrible word <laughs> but you know we're, we're, as as a as a YouTube teacher, my goal is yes, to teach you, but it's also I, I want you in my circle. I, I want you to follow me further and 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 get deeper into my lessons, right? Yeah, and I have between five and ten minutes to pique your interest with a video. so you you've always got to remember that that. Is, is an element of what's going on. Yeah. And, and another thing is that YouTube is great for, for giving, like everything you could ever need to learn any instrument or any skill is on YouTube. Mm. The issue is that you don't get it in the right order. Yeah. And, and that's something that you need to be really aware of and develop the critical faculties to, to kind of see, I mean, this might not mean anything to you uh, as a drummer, uh, or you know a non-harmonica player, but there's there's kind of a relatively recent technique in harmonica playing mm-hmm. um, that I think I think the first recordings of it were were probably well the the first kind of mainstream recordings were in the 80s. Okay. Uh, with Howard Levy, Bella Fleck and the tones Yes. So ha- Howard is a, is a total animal on the, on the instrument, uh, and he he played something called an overblow. Okay and ev- I've, I've,
1: i yeah i think i have i think i have an idea of what that sounds like it's pretty epic when you yeah
0: when, when you nail it it's great mm. and and what it does is it is it opens up chromaticisms mm. on a diatonic mm. instrument so it fills in the blanks which is fantastic mm. the issue is that th- this has become the goal for many many harmonica players when they first start out but they don't understand why they want to learn it but they've seen these youtube videos mine included, uh. that that say, oh yeah, here's this lesson on how to overblow and here's this thing you can do with it. And they think, well, that must be the most uh, kind of advanced <laughs> thing I, sh- I can work on and I should do it now.
1: Yeah, it's almost like the... It's almost like you know people looking at it and they start approaching music like they start approaching music like a sport. Like, oh, if I do that, then I'm a pro. You know, yeah, it's a, it's exactly that. <laughs> it's a thing when like when there was a big trend on YouTube where it's like, hey, here are the seven levels of music, and everyone's like, let's see if we can get to level seven. You yeah, because you know people with. Um, you know, like we play we play things like video games we like we understand the concept of instant gratification like yeah. where, it's like it's like where do I rank myself uh-huh. and people always think music can be ranked mm-hmm. in that kind of way, and i and I disagree heavily. That that uh, that it can be ranked, but then people see like a thing like, oh, he can overblow, or in drumming like, oh, he can do a single stroke roll, uh, a a single stroke roll like Buddy Rich, and mm-hmm. everyone looks at that film uh, Whiplash, and it's like, oh, can you play like that guy from Whiplash? Because then that's like the bar that they set in their yeah. minds that that is it. Mm-hmm. That's that's where you want to be, and that is such a dangerous territory. It's so dangerous because it's
0: it's kind of it's the danger of having a little bit of knowledge. And not seeing the full picture. Yeah, because um, you know I've I've spoken to a, a bunch of amazing harmonica players over the last few months during this podcast series, and w- one thing that, that that crops up so often is is how few of of the world's greatest players choose to use overblows. Uh-huh. Right. Uh-huh. So all these people that we love listening to, they can play the overblows if they wanted to. But they choose not to choose not to mm. and, and there's a really good reason for that you know, mm. generally it's a it's a tonal choice. Uh-huh. An overblow sounds very different to the other notes on 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 a harmonica, and actually, on a harmonica, the nicest thing, as with with kind of any it, any uh, wind instrument, is what is the natural natural breath force going through the instrument yeah. sounding like yeah and what's the biggest, fattest, warmest sound you can get out of it mm. Mm. and actually, that's really what most people should be focusing on
1: yes i, I yeah I think it's funny when you mention like you know guys who are serious session players and serious pros, like the guys that get booked for the biggest albums um you know and and sometimes you know like. I don't know what it's like in the harmonica world. I'm sure you guys will have more knowledge on this, but in the drumming world, I'm not going to bore you with names that no one will recognize, but um, you know, there, there, there's like a list of session drummers that people have never heard of, but they play on the records that you listen to, like on the radio, mm-hmm. and they're always featured on some Grammy hit, but you don't know their names. And if you listen to what they play... Like those guys have the chops to let's say the equivalent of an overblow to like they, they can shred whatever they want, but they know what's right for the music at the time. I think that that comes back to it. It's like, what's the purpose of your practice? Mm-hmm. What's the purpose of why you want to achieve a tone? Why do you want to achieve an, why do you want to achieve an overblow? Is that something you're you going to be overusing and annoying everyone at the gig with, or you know, is that something to have in your arsenal? you know, for those special occasions. Yeah. And, you know, like, and then what is the important thing to learn? Because at the end of the day, when I go up, like w- when I go play a gig and someone says, okay, Reed, we're going to do this. Like, and usually it's like th- there was either one rehearsal or no rehearsal. And I've, and I, and I've just listened to tracks that they've sent me on some Dropbox folder. And now I have to like, um, and I have to like basically do the gig w- w- without rehearsal. They want me to play sturdy and straight and they don't want to feel as though that they're always under uh, like they're balancing on a wobbly chair they want to feel grounded and solid and that's just playing grooves in solid time and that my tone is consistent Mm -hmm. and accurate yeah and then that makes them happy and i know i've done my job well as a musician and I think that's what people keep forgetting about. Yes, you've got the big flashy moments, but they forget about it. The, but there's the rest of the gig mm-hmm. where you need to be solid and you need to be a good band member. I yeah. think that's the big thing that, that we keep forgetting about, that we're all band members. We're not just epic soloists. That,
0: that's the thing. And and it's, uh, it's, it's this idea of there's this very basic skill that you probably learnt day one, of of playing drums, yeah, uh, you know, like I I I did lesson one of drums, and yeah. you know I I can <laughs> I can tap out eighth notes with with my right hand on the hi hat mm. and and do kick on on one and three mm. and snare one, on two, two and, four. and four, and like as as someone who's done that lesson as a student, I'm like okay, I've learned this drum beat, whereas. <laughs> Right, so this is the issue. Here you go. You you've played it once, therefore yeah. you've learned it, which is is just not the case because uh. you, you listen to someone like like Veed, and and I I get I get to play with Veed on occasion, which is a great pleasure. But he'll play that lesson that I learned, lesson one of of drums. He'll play it all the way through a song, and it'll feel great. Ah, and, but <laughs> like you know, it, it'll. I like to think like my favorite drummers are the and bassists, rhythm sections, basically they make it feel like I've got scaffolding behind me. Oh, yeah. You know, like, however badly out of time I play, <laughs> it doesn't matter because I've got these guys making me sound like I'm in
1: time because they're so solid. Oh, man. There's no, there is there, uh, uh, there is nothing greater or nicer than sitting with a bassist that is just so on it because then you just feel like there's this is immense level of grounding mm-hmm. and it even, like, frees up, like, some of my limbs to, like you know do some stuff but it's not necessary yeah like, if you just sit in that pocket but but how much
0: do you have to play that that drum beat that i mean i'm assuming you probably teach
1: mm. most most students their first lesson if on that beat on that beat yeah. <laughs> Oh, you got to play that beat for years you got to play it's funny that um you know t- t- for uh, for the guys listening that that don't know which beat i'm talking about um beat it beat it beat it or uh, billy jean you know <laughs> it's yeah like, yeah it's you know and that's it that's that's the whole groove yeah. and it, and it and people think well, uh, well that's simple but when you hear players different players approach that groove and you're like how does he make that simple beat sound so good mm-hmm. i mean like uh, you and i have a massive respect for a man like steve jordan he plays that groove mm-hmm. consistently well. Yeah. And he's on, and, and it's like, I know when guys book Steve Jordan, they book him for that groove. Yeah. It's like, we want that groove on our record. And that's something that, that's, that's, that for me is like, you know, my musical goal is to have a voice on that simple groove where people are like, yeah, the way V plays that groove, like, I want people to say that about me. Mm-hmm. You know, that's like, that, I think that's where your musical character comes out, yeah, but that only comes out years later. i mean mm. i like as far as a professional uh gigging drummer i I don't think I'm nearly as versed as like like I, I, I don't think I have ten percent of the stuff that my drumming he- uh, 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 that my drumming heroes have but i but I don't think like I still need time I, mm. I still need to play that groove. For years and years until I can, you know, until it does something. Yeah. And I think that's what, again, going back to the topic of practice, you know, playing it once doesn't mean it doesn't mean you know it. Mm-hmm. Playing it twice, playing it three times, playing it for five years, ten years later, that becomes a part of your system. Mm-hmm. That becomes a part of your vocabulary. You know, I can't do things that I've done once on on demand. Mm-hmm. I have a solid belief that when when people talk about confidence, what is the idea of confidence? Confidence is the concept of knowing you're going to deliver something without thinking about it. Yeah, it's like I know, I know I can take a sip of my coffee right now. There, there it's in there. I didn't, I don't have to think about it. I know I can do that. Mm-hmm. But when I have to think about it or I have to stress about it, that means I'm not confident. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing with playing. If you can do it whenever, like on on demand that is the result of years of practice yeah. and that will take time and i want people to understand it will take time it will take that long you know if you watch guys on youtube or wherever and they're young and they're doing this thing that nobody else can do it's like that's because they spent the time mm-hmm. there's no there's no get rich quick scheme here it's it takes time and effort. Unfortunately. But that's the beautiful thing about it. You spend time on it. You spend time on your craft. Absolutely.
0: Okay, so we are back after a brief comfort break. Um, So we were talking about this idea of, of kind of seemingly simple concepts which take years and years decades to, to refine. Mm. And I think this is where it's kind of important that we start talking about different types of practice and, and how, how to practice. Because I think there's, there's an initial period when you learn something of l- just learning how to do it. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a very mechanical thing. It's like, how do I coordinate all these things mm-hmm. just to be able to do it? Yeah. Once you can do that, you're then going to refine it. Yes. And then when you refine it, you're going to learn how to do it from memory, yeah. for argument's sake. And then you're going to work on building up the muscle memory. So I think it's important to, to kind of think about what these different steps are and, and how they work. Because I, I think a lot of people they 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 sidestep certain areas, so they will learn how to do it and then jump straight to working on the muscle memory by mm. doing loads and loads of reps yeah so I think everyone knows that to practice you have to do loads of reps, mm. but that's all everyone knows
1: yes, oh man this is this is something that i've been i think I've been a culprit of when I started out practicing um I realized that I did a lot of um i learned... So, when we talk about muscle memory, or sorry, so that first step, if we talk about um, the concept of learning a new action, a new action is mechanically different to what your body's ever done. Mm-hmm. So, if you if you if you're learning a certain technique with your mouth, with your hands, with your feet, like that is going to be new to you, mm-hmm. and it's going to feel miserable in the first couple of weeks. And you might get the sound out every now and then, but then what happens is you'll get that sound and you'll do it again and you'll do it again, and you're like, "Okay, I've got it now. I've learned, I've learned the thing." And now you start doing repetitions on the sound you've learned, rather than the technique itself. For example, um, I'll talk about drumming in a very basic sense to just to kind of like give you an idea. If we Look at the single stroke roll. The single stroke roll, anyone can do it, is right, left, right, left, right, left, right, left. And you just go around, and around, and you get faster. And that gives you your single stroke roll. What you don't learn, or what many drummers don't learn, is that the single stroke roll can also start on your left. So left, right, left, right, left, right, left, right. So when you practice, you're supposed to practice your right, and your left hand. Now, I'm sure in harmonica there's a there are there are parallels that uh, that you can look at. But if we look at if we look at doubles now, for instance, doubles are right, right, left, left, right, right, left, left. But doubles can also be left, left, right, right, left, left, right, right. And what a lot of drummers do, they never learn. If they're right-handed, they'll never learn the left. Mm-hmm. So when I ask them, give me a give me a roll starting on on the left hand, it is so much weaker. And that is the concept of I've learned something, and I've learned a part of it. I've learned a part of the sound that I like, and then you go straight to muscle memory. Yeah. But then you've, but then you've learned a bad habit. Mm-hmm. I, I, like my right hand is stronger than my left. No. Yeah. It's like even though, you know, not not all drummers are ambidextrous. I can I, I can guarantee that I'm not ambidextrous. My left hand is severely weaker than my right, but I always work on it. I always try and get it to be as strong as my right. But, yeah, that. Yeah, like people skip out those 2 or 3 stages because mm-hmm. it's more effort, it's more time.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I think the the most fun part of of learning is that first stage. Yeah. Because yes. because yes. you've learned something new and you're like, "Wow, I've got this new skill. It's great." I mean, that that's that's why starting a new activity is so fun. Yes. L- learning a new activity is so much fun. And <laughs> as as a music teacher, my goal is to kind of trick people to have invested so much time in having fun at the beginning that they then keep going because it gets less and less fun. Mm. You know, Learning an instrument mm. gets less and less fun because the hard work starts. Yeah. Uh, at the beginning, you've got all these, these micro skills that need to come together to be able to, to do anything whatsoever. So every day you feel like you're achieving something because you there's an action that you couldn't do before that you're starting to be able to do. The issue is that you then have to refine it, which is a lot less sexy.
1: Yeah, that is. It's very true. I think that's what I think that's a very good term of putting it it it, it it's not sexy refining something. Mm-hmm. It's not fun when you start like you like you pull out the you pull out you pull out the sandpaper and you're gonna start working on those edges to get them completely smooth and to mm. get them to the point where you have to get them to shine. If if anyone's ever done woodwork, for instance, like um, you first you first have your basic block, the block of wood, and then you're like, and let's say we're uh, we're making some sort of a some sort some sort of an animal. If you can cut out the legs and the head and the body, okay, I have this animal shaped thing, but it's not the animal. Then you start adding the details, and that's where you start getting into step two, where you're like. Um, where you're like, uh, like, 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 you're cutting out the eyes and the nose and the mouth, and then this, and then some texturing starts to happen. Then we get to the polishing and the buffing, and that is that is the that is the refining technique of like this is now going to look immaculate, and this is where people get like I've seen many people just be like, oh yeah, I've just made this thing and it's yeah, it's like it's not great, but I like it. And that's great. I'm happy that I'm happy that people like it. But if that same carpenter comes to me and says, "I just want to sound better," or "No, I wanna, I wanna make better things with wood," I'm like, "Well, you're not spending time on it. Yeah. You, you're not buffing and polishing as much as as much as you should." It's a very it's, it's a very silly comparison, but um, yeah, I've been I've been down this road, and mm-hmm. I've and I've had to unlearn the mistakes that I have put myself in. I need to, you know, I need, I had to fix my left hand at some point. I had to be like, okay, Vid, as much as you don't like this, you're working on your left hand twice as much as your right. And it got better. Mm-hmm. But it took time.
0: Yeah. I, I think that 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 thing of um, I, I always talk about muscle memory doesn't judge you. So yeah. mu- muscle memory is just a recorder. Yes. So whatever you put into it, they'll be like, okay, we're gonna learn how to do this exactly the way you're doing it, good or bad. Your brain is going to say, I'm going to learn how to do this like this so that you don't have to think about it, which is brilliant. That's why we can all, uh, you know, feed ourselves, walk down the street relatively uh, confidently. <laughs> yeah. You know, we, we have control of our of our bodies to a certain extent because muscle memory has has enabled us to do that. Whereas if you mm. kind of look at, uh, at a baby right at the beginning, like everything is an effort, you know, they can't even swallow. Yeah, uh, They have to learn every little thing and then muscle memory takes over. And I think, you know, you forget how how many things you've just completely internalized using that incredibly powerful tool. Mm. Um, and I think, yeah, the the, the the more time you spend on the earlier stages of practice, mm. right, learning and then refining, the easier it is to, to make the, the later stages more effective.
1: And your mindset will change. I think the way you approach music will no longer be, well, it will happen naturally it's like when you f- uh, when you f- first start learning words you 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 first start learning how to speak in sentences then you know and then well well first the sentences come out of necessity mm-hmm. i need food so you ask i need food and then you get food great awesome then you start learning about well sentences can can have meanings and implications like i like food oh he likes food okay i've learned something about this person mm-hmm. then i start stringing sentences t- uh, together into stories. And all of a sudden you you can think conceptually with a language. My favorite solos are the ones that tell stories. My favorite solos are, or my or my favorite instrumentalists are the guys that can like paint a picture musically. It's, it's like it sounds very it sounds very artsy, but it's true. Like guys who have the technique down can start speaking their language on a concept that's not just look at this scale look yeah. at this finger technique look at this th- what I'm doing no they're on a different plane mm-hmm. and if you have everything down you can start to think well I can tell a story w- w- with my instrument but that only but uh, but uh, but again that like you first need to say your first word your first sentence string your first concept together and then you can start telling stories and that and that and that is a result of the refining process
0: yeah absolutely so i I think the 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 big thing to bring into this is is the idea that that you know practice doesn't make perfect but conscious practice does and and it's it's bringing this um this mindset of how am i doing this current action what can i do better what's good because i I think it's very easy for musicians to become too self-critical and that can be crippling. Oh, yes. I think you you need to give yourself props where they're due. You yes. know, like, I have worked on my timing. My tone sucks, but my timing is getting a lot better. I'm more solid on that. So maybe I'm going to spend some time working on the tone now. Mm. Um, but developing that that critical faculty is, is absolutely essential. And I'm going to completely destroy this uh, quote, but... <laughs> Basic basic premise. This uh, great violinist uh, said, "If you if you practice with your fingers, you'll practice. All, you'll have to practice all day. But if you practice with your mind, you'll you'll do it in a couple of hours." And yeah, I agree I, with that. I think that that's the thing, isn't it? You know, we we have this image of like amazing child prodigies learning to play an instrument, and they have to practice seven eight hours a day, and that's why they get better. Mm. Whereas if you actually think consciously while you're playing and refine it. You know, Use your brain as well as your muscles. Yeah, You'll improve a lot
1: faster. I agree. I th- yeah, I think that is a very important um, thing that you just said there. I'm actively looking at why you're working on something. Let's say I'm working on, I don't know, a hand technique on the drumstick. Now, let's say the, st- the stick goes up and down. And um, you know, and you start thinking, okay, well, why, why, why is my wrist moving this way? Why are my fingers moving that way? Why, you know, how do I learn this effectively? And and everybody will tell you, slow motion. You start slow. Never attack something fast Mm -hmm. because your your brain can't think can't think that fast yet. Your brain is still trying to get to grips with what is going on mechanically. It's the whole concept. You can't run before you walk. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, I think actively sitting with your instrument, going through it slowly and understanding each note, understanding where that note fits in your scale when you work on your scales or focusing on the tone. Make sure every hole you blow into when you play a harmonica is the tone you want, right? That, because like, um, so like we have this thing where you, if we if we play like uh, it's a drum rudiment called like uh, it it's called a paradiddle right left right right and the right right the last two um, strokes it, that's called the diddle the paradiddle right left right right and people always think that okay well if I've got my single and then my double at the end I'll just kind of fluff it and that's called crushing your diddle mm-hmm. and so many guys crush their diddles and. Like the first two strokes always sound great, but then the but then but the, then the second two always kind of like fall flat. But if you play it fast enough, nobody will hear. But that's 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 where the first bad habit starts to come in. You're ignoring a critical part that is what makes the sound of that paradiddle. And I'm sure in harmonica playing, it's like people will avoid certain scales or certain or or certain notes or the notes in between. Let's say the chord tones or something that will that will make it. Sound bad, but they think ah, I don't have to look at that. Mm-hmm. It, like we always like to, I don't know, we like to, um, I don't know, like to, we like to cherry pick our practicing. Yeah, you know, it's it's oh yeah. Well, those things sound great, but but, but what about the things that that don't sound great? Mm-hmm. Work on that, fix that, make everything sound great.
0: That's the thing. I mean, cherry picking your practice is actually really great and really important. But you've got to do exactly the opposite of what you want to do. Yes. So, uh, you know, if, if if I was doing, you know, the practice that would give me the most pleasure, I, I would sit and wail on a four drawer on my harmonica over a backing track through a loud amplifier. And I I would just feel like the bomb. You
1: just feel great.
0: <laughs> and, and and I'm sure everyone can, can relate to that if, if you play harmonica. But... You know that that that's not the thing that's going to make me a better player because I, I think m- most players discover that trick very early on. That's that's what's known as a wailing note because yeah. you can just wail on it. <laughs> and and what you should be thinking is like, what am I avoiding? What's yeah. the thing that I always say? Oh, I don't do this. Yeah. It's, it's like I remember having a, a jam session a while ago. And this guitarist starts to get up on stage. Uh, and I said, cool, come up on stage. And I started explaining to him what the, um, the chord progression was and what the groove was. And he said to me, he said, oh, I don't play rhythm. I don't need to know that stuff. Uh, and I was just like, oh, dude, if you want to take that super awesome solo that, that you want to take, you're also going to have to play rhythm. Uh, and I now know where your biggest weakness is. Gosh
1: i i have yeah i i i sometimes tell my students especially the guys who've been playing for years um if i get some intermediate guys in and i'll tell them that we've got to clean the attic and they look at me like what it's like no like that's the phrase i use for because we all because we all have a mental a mental attic Mm -hmm. because if we're being honest what do people use the attic for for the more, <laughs> for the more organized, it's it's storage. For the less organized, and our brains are very, very unorganized, it we throw away stuff up there just because we don't want it in the house. We don't want it, you know, we don't want it downstairs. So we'll just throw it in the attic, and no one, and no one, and no one will uh, will ever see it. But the problem is, if you go do a proper spring clean, you will find everything you've been throwing away for years and years and years, and that is what I have to tell my intermediate students we got to clean the attic i see problems with this and that and these holes in your foundations that were never actually addressed mm-hmm. i had that when i first went to conservatory i was, uh, like my my drum teacher was like i see holes the size of brazil we got to fix this now <laughs> <laughs> and i'm like oh my gosh I, i'm terrible but if i didn't do that i wouldn't i, I never would have reached th- the musical goals that mm. i s- set myself so Clean your attics, people. That is something I, I'm a I'm a heavy believer in.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think we we're starting to sound quite, um, quite pushy and perfectionist oh, about yeah. being a musician. And it's that's not the way to think about it. I think. So, have you ever done Tai Chi? I've seen people do it. All right. Okay. <laughs> so I mean, the the basic. I I I did maybe three or four months of lessons of Tai Chi. Um, so I, am by no means an expert, but, but what I I picked up in that, that period was that basically you learn the, the form, which is something like 140 moves.
1: Oh my goodness.
0: Uh, you learn that in a relatively short period of time, you know, maybe a year or whatsoever, but then you spend the rest of your life refining it. Uh And we've spoken about this before, uh, you know, while we're playing chess and drinking coffee, Mm. um, we we uh, we just sound like two like like
1: two very old guys.
0: Yeah, <laughs> there's no video, so you know, for all intents and purposes, we we're, we're two very old guys who sit and drink coffee and play chess. Um, but but yeah, we we music is very simple. Yes, you know the the building blocks of music are incredibly simple. Mm. The different permutations you can get out of that are limitless, endless, yeah. and you know it's it's boundless creativity, which is fabulous. But it is still a very kind of limited basic set of rudiments. No matter what instrument you're playing. Yes. If you have those completely down. Oh, man. You're going to be a monster on the instrument. But you shouldn't feel bad about having to go back to those foundations. Yeah. Uh, Every time I start with a new teacher... I have to go back to my foundations yeah, and, and fix things and that they've noticed that someone else didn't notice, or they, they think, okay, well actually if you approach this, this way, yeah, then you're going to, that's going to help you do that thing that, that sounds really complicated, but actually it's just down to having correct breathing. And it is just these very kind of simple things at the
1: foundation that change everything. Oh man, that is so true. Like, you know, um, <laughs> like talking about our chess <laughs> thing, like that's a very good. That's like we we uh, we spoke about this earlier when we when we when we played a couple of times. It was, you know, like I'm not good at chess. I think Tomlin's Tomlin uh, uh, Tomlin's kicking my butt right now in our in our overall streak. But the thing that w- what I like about chess is that the it's it's a bit like music. The moves are simple, like move like you know pawns move like this knights move like that and let's see the infinite number of possibilities that can come from that music is like that conventional um conventional um western well-tempered music has 12 tones Mm -hmm. if you master those 12 tones what can you compose with that you know what can we compose with you know basic rhythmic concepts you know and that's and like it's those guys. <laughs> it's like um, I. I always like looking at uh, you know. I was like looking at like drum, uh, like drumming instructional videos, and there was one guy that, um, that there was one guy that uh, popped up. I in- introduced you to him a little earlier, Mark Juliana, and he talks about like taking the simplest concepts, you know. And mastering the simplest and like and that's what annoys me. It's like I thought he had some magical, you know, mantra that like, oh, if I just do that, I'll be just like him. But he's like, No, it's like if I take if I take five notes, you know boop, 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 boop. Cool. That was one, two, three, four, five. One, two, three, four, five. And if I play the first one loud, the second one soft, the third one not as loud, and then, you know, and then I go pop and then up, 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 up. and then you kind of start seeing of all like all of these combinations I'm like oh man just five notes alone I have mm-hmm. combinations of dynamic and now I have I can play them in a different meter I can play them in a different time signature it's like oh man he, and and he understood that as like just in basic parameters there is so much mm-hmm. cuz we see basic parameters as like oh no we just need to learn how to play that note and then we know it no you can put that anywhere in music and that's what separates those guys f- uh, from the rest I'm not saying be like them no I'm saying we can all learn something from that sometimes a super simple basic concept if you can make a super s- a super simple basic concept very difficult that means you're learning something mm-hmm. and that is the wonderful unlimited potential of music that is so beautiful I think
0: I, I think you, you put it perfectly um, yeah, I, I think we, we should probably start thinking about wrapping this up. I mean, we we talk about music and practice all the time and, and it's, this is why we wanted to do this, this podcast. Um, but I, I'd, I'd love to know kind of how, what, what are your guidelines for someone who's never played an instrument before they've started coming to lessons with you? How do you suggest that they approach practicing? What, what are the most important things? In your mind It doesn't have to be Drum specific as it
1: Oh it's any, yeah, a- yeah, About I practice I oh, know oh, for sure For sure So I think the most Important thing is Like Understand Why you're playing Why are you Like Like Why did you decide To come to a drum lesson Why did you decide To take up Or 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 any lesson For that matter Why are you here Why do you want to learn mm-hmm. Why do you want to play It's it's fun, you love it, you enjoy it, amazing. So there's obviously that criteria. Um, When you start practicing, understand that there are going to be times where it's not going to be the most fun but when you start to achieve and you you start to hit those goals of like, you can play your first song, you can play your first suite, you can play your first solo, that's when it gets really fun Mm. and just keep your eye on that on that goal and the only way you're going to get to that level of your musical goal like it doesn't matter what goal you set it can be something like crazy virtu- you know uh, you know, uh, crazy virtuoso-esque or it could be you know something as simple as I want to play Smoke in the Water you know and be really good at it great I love I love both those goals because you know what you want mm-hmm. knowing what you want is very important but then understand that when you start practicing be mindful of your practice, be mindful of the hours you're putting in Don't don't keep wasting your time with something that's not going to get you to your goal And, you know, understand it will take time but, and, and there will be days where it will suck and it won't feel good But you're getting there Mm-hmm. So be mindful of effective practice. You want to do effective practice. If you're, if you're, if you're a busy person, you have a full schedule, you have, you have barely time to squeeze in time to go to the gym or to cook dinner. But let's say you have 10 minutes. Spend 10 minutes practicing, effective practicing, mindful of every note, of every motion, of every mechanic. That 10 minutes will go a, I will go a lot further than an hour of mindful jamming. Mindful jamming is fun. Remember, that's great, but understand you're jamming. You're mm-hmm. not practicing. So that is something I, I want to leave people with.
0: Awesome. I, I think yeah, that, that's that's a great final thought. And I'm just going to add two two elements to that. So first one, this sounds silly, but eat your vegetables before you have your dessert. Always. So start start the session with the, with what you don't want to be doing, uh-huh. and get it out of the way. Uh-huh. So if it's that really boring technical exercise that you know is good for you, but you don't particularly want to do it, do that first and then reward yourself with play.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: And then final kind of, I think this is the most important thing, certainly in my practice, and a lot of neuroscience backs backs this up. Sleep is one of the most important, uh, probably the most important elements of practice. Yes. And to get the, the most... Kind of effectiveness out of your practice and your sleeping is to do regular practice Mm -hmm. so that in between each practice session, you can have a period of sleep where your subconscious processes everything and then you can come back to it the next day and refine and and keep doing that for try and do the majority of days in the week. So if you can do 10, 15 minutes a day, four or five days a week versus one hour on Sunday.
1: Yeah. Oh man.
0: You've got four or five sleeps where you've mm-hmm. processed your practice and it's much easier. Yeah. <laughs> it's so much easier than trying to oh, get gosh. good doing one hour a week.
1: Regular intervals, that 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 is that is that is a lifesaver. And also the holistic approach I think is what you, is is kinda like what you're hugging on about a holistic approach to practice, being healthy, having a good mindset. All of those things play into practice and will help you become a better musician. Definitely.
0: Well, thank you so much, Veed. This has been an absolute pleasure. It has been. Thank you. Thank Uh, you for the coffee. Oh, my
1: pleasure. And
0: uh, I'm going to put some links to to Veed's site and stuff uh, in the uh, show notes and also post a link to a lesson that he did uh, over at Tomlin Harmonica School, which was a lot of fun. Oh, that was fun. (laughs) And uh, I'm sure we'll we'll do some more in the not-too-distant
1: future. I'm looking forward to it. All right, take it easy.
0: Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Tomlin's Harmonica Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating and review on your podcast player of choice. Join me next Monday for the next episode. Happy harping!